This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, this is John Katsimatidis, and today is a very special day. When I Shortest life. And today is the 25th anniversary peace in Ireland. And with us today is the ch- one of the chief guys that created peace along with President Bill Clinton. Uh, we have Congressman Peter King. Well, Congressman, tell us about it. Yeah, John, this is a great day. It's a quarter century since the Good Friday Agreement was signed. Uh, it was, uh, depending on how you look at it, it was 800 years of fighting, 300 years. 60 years, 30 years. The fact is there was continual fighting in Ireland between the Irish and the British. And it was, uh, again, a a terrible experience for so many years for so many people. Uh, Bill Clinton got involved in 1992. And his attitude was that, uh, first of all, the Cold War was over. So it was time to move on to other issues where there were trouble spots in the world. And his feeling was the United States was the one country that had very close ties with Great Britain and with the Irish people. And with the two of them, he felt he could be an honest broker. And he was. Uh, he was criticized for it at the start. And it, did, it had some uh, bumps along the way. Uh, and, uh, but basically, uh, with his involvement, there was an IRA ceasefire in 1994. And then all party talks began in 95 and 96. And then coming down to Easter in uh, 1998, uh, Bill Clinton basically put a deadline on it. He put George Mitchell in as negotiator with all the parties. And on, uh, it was supposed to be a Holy Thursday agreement, but there were last-minute delays, but it was finally uh, signed, on, agreed to on Good Friday in, the, in 1998. And you had the British government, the Irish government, you had all of the uh, political parties and uh, actually military forces in Northern Ireland. They all signed on to it, and uh, it's basically hell. I mean, there's been some complications along the way, but the fact is you've had... Uh, all of the uh, barriers have been taken down. There used to be barbed wire up around, and there was uh, there were border patrols. All that now is gone. And the North and South uh, basically have a uh, – uh, in, in the North, is a power-sharing government, and it works with the government in the South and also with the uh, government in London. So it's as good as uh, – it's more than anyone could have expected uh, anywhere during the early and mid-1990s after really 30 years of brutal warfare. And, and today's the 25th anniversary. I bet, I bet you you remember it like it was yesterday. I really do because, uh, first of all, I was actively involved for a number of years. And, for instance, when Jerry Adams, that was a big step by uh, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, gave him a visa into the United States. I was the one who officially greeted him at Kennedy Airport. But then going into 1998, the deadline was put uh, for basically Holy Thursday. 
And uh, I was up on the phone all day, flew down to Washington, was on the phone late into the night dealing with the uh, negotiators in Belfast, with the White House, with the different parties, the, uh, you know, with the British, with the Irish. And uh, then on the morning of Good Friday, uh, this was supposed to be the Holy Thursday Agreement, but it became the Good Friday Agreement. And it was a, uh, again, it was a great feeling when it finally came about. Uh, Bill Clinton, it would not have happened without Bill Clinton. He was the one who was willing to uh, basically offend his own State Department. He took the uh, negotiations away from the State Department, brought them into the White House, and he had Tony Lake, who was his national security advisor, handle them. And then with the uh, 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 British, he basically, they were against this altogether. And then he uh, went ahead, gave it a visa to Adams to come to the United States. And uh, then when Tony Blair came in, it was Tony Blair, Bill Clinton, and Bertie Hearn, who was the new Irish prime minister. It was the perfect trifecta to bring this about. It was just a, uh, again, it was something most most people, though, would never see in their lifetime. I remember being up till about 1 or one thirty in the morning and fi- being on the phone between uh, Belfast and Washington and talking to all of the different parties. And uh, when I went to sleep, it was about one fifteen in the morning. Things didn't look that good. Then I got a call at 6 o'clock in the morning from the White House. Then the Bill Clinton himself had gotten on the phone, made some personal commitments, and it, uh, all, all the parties agreed to it. And it's been, uh, there's been some tough moments along the way, but it has held. And it's uh, really a, it's a model, really, for peace around the world. Uh, but it took Bill Clinton, who was willing to basically uh, do it on his own in the beginning. I mean, the British were against it. There were even some people in Ireland who weren't necessarily for it. Uh, but he basically went out on a limb and he brought us along. And I remember being over there uh, several months later when uh, he was over there to celebrate the peace. And then again in 2000, uh, it, this could not have been done without Bill Clinton. I give him full credit for it. Uh, Congressman uh, Peter King, uh, you and Bill Clinton did a phenomenal job. And uh, the Irish people, I'm sure, and everybody uh, uh commends you for doing uh, such a great job and bringing peace to the world. And uh, thank you, and we'll catch up. I understand you'll be in the uh, studio on Wednesday. I'll be there Wednesday. You got me, John. Absolutely. Well, have a good evening, and we'll talk again real soon. Very good, John. Thank Thank you. you. And uh, we're in the studio now, uh, me, Rita Cosby, uh, Judge Weinberg, uh, Tony Carbonetti. uh, Yes, John. What was your title, Tony? Chief of Staff. Chief of Staff to the, to the best Army. mayor New York City's ever and, had. And, and then we have uh, another guy here. we got Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington. Yeah, related to George Washington, right? Yeah, exactly. That is yeah. I. <laughs> and by the way, uh, we are talking other huge news as we're talking about foreign policy, John, is, of course, uh, Macron. Emmanuel Macron, the head of France, basically says Europe <laughs> ignored the U.S. when it comes to China. In other words... Uh, basically, if the U.S. and China go at it with Taiwan, you're going to have to go up by yourself. Some great partner and great ally France has been. Wow, this is huge. And China also saying that it is ready for war. This is big, serious stuff. Let's bring in Dr. William Parker, naval officer. Of course, he was the former head of the East West Institute. He also is the CEO of Parker Maritime Technologies. Dr. Parker this is really explosive. First of all, what's your reaction to France basically throwing the U.S. under the bus? Well, I think, uh, you know, France, like many other countries, are starting to question uh, the strength and the commitment of the United States. 
but that said, uh, France has lost its mind. Macron has bought into the idea that China will somehow be kind to France, uh, like so many other countries bought into it during the uh, Belt and Road Initiative. France believes that they are a great power, and as such, they believe in this whole Thucydides trap and that they are the great power. Um, they're not. Uh, didn't, France believe that, didn't, that, didn't France believe that in 1939? They did, as a matter of fact. It didn't work out well for them then until the United States came in and bailed them out. That's a true statement. Yeah, and you know, I went to Normandy. I feel like saying, you know, uh, you know, spending the time there, you think about all the allegiances, all the things America's done. And now Macron goes over to China for three days and he comes back and says, yeah, China's my buddy. I mean, you brought up a great point, Dr. Parker, because it's like the U.S. is being squeezed out under this president. Yeah, we are being squeezed out uh, from from a lot of different countries, uh, Saudi Arabia recently uh, and others. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia building a conversation and a, and a uh, relationship with Iran, uh, oil issues. At the end of the day, this is really all about really four things with Taiwan and China as a whole. It's geostrategic, 170 miles closer to the Philippines and Guam if they get Taiwan, major manufacturer of chips, et cetera, that are high tech for U.S. companies, that um, they are the fourth or fifth largest trading partner with China. And most importantly, China and Russia are trying all they can to displace the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. If that happens, this will impact the U.S. with higher interest rates on loans to the country and individuals. It will be more difficult to get loans, and it will significantly impact our economy. You know, it's really scary, Dr. Parker. Did you see this? They were uh, after exercises. China said it just came out a little bit ago. They did attack simulations, including with nuclear strike bombers in the sky. They are not fooling around. This is really, really heightening. Well, it is really heightening. And I think they're they're looking at this as Russia did with Ukraine and saying, is this our one and only opportunity? Do we have a weakness in the United States right now in its leadership and we're going to go after it? I think it would be a huge mistake for them because I think that the landing into Taiwan is going to be more significant than they think. The Taiwanese are ready to fight. Uh, I think there are others that will uh, fight alongside them. I hope the United States looks at our geostrategic uh, uh, efforts and realizes how important this is to us as well. Well, I, I didn't realize, Tony Carbonetti, I didn't realize that NATO countries can pick and choose which skirmishes they get into with fellow NATO countries. I thought you had to have the back of all NATO countries. But you'd mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative, and, and maybe the French should check with some of those African countries and see if they would still do those deals today, knowing what yeah, they know well, now. Tony, you're, you're absolutely right on that. The, the Belt and Road Initiative, many of those countries are like, holy cow, look what happened. The Chinese brought in a bunch of their own people. Yep. Right, exactly. They didn't sign up for this at all. Um, but, it, but at the end of the day, um, the, you know, when you're talking NATO allies, you do have Article 5 uh, requirements. But w- with Taiwan in particular, um, it has significant impact on the United States. And I think most people say it's just some little country. Why do we care about this? Well, we care for those reasons I just mentioned. It will have a major impact on the United States. And it will also show uh, weakness. And it will say, OK, you left Afghanistan with your with your head tucked between your tail, you're between your legs. Um, you're not looking super strong in Ukraine, which you could have prevented it in the first place. And now here you are. Uh, uh, with um, with Taiwan. If we let this one happen, I think the rest of the world will see this and say, okay, they are no longer the superpower that they once were of the United States. 
you know, I want to ask you, Dr. Parker, uh, Lindsey Graham was on one of the Sunday shows and he basically said, uh, that maybe we should be using U.S. troops there on the ground and get some in soon. Uh, doc, uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, um, who we've had many times here on the show, basically said, quote, all options should be on the table. He wouldn't specifically say troops, but he didn't rule it out. What, what do you think? I mean, this is, uh, this is getting very heated. I think that Secretary Pompeo, who is both Central Intelligence and State Department, gets it that all options are on the table, which is the approach that President Trump took to North Korea when this whole thing started with the conversations back and forth there. And quite frankly, President Clinton used to say that, too. All options are on the table. When we start taking options off the table too early, it's a mistake to commit troops right now. I don't know that that doesn't uh, spin things up more than we want to. I mean, nobody wants another war. We don't need it financially. We don't need our people over there. Um, But the other side, we have to make sure that we're able to defend our friends and allies when it's within the interest of the United States. And this certainly is. Well, Dr. Parker, I got to say, this is Rudy Washington. All this talk of war really makes me nervous when you have this disaster in Afghanistan with $80 billion worth of weaponry left behind and soldiers, 13 soldiers that were killed unnecessarily and the whole, the whole evacuation process uh, and nobody gets fired. Nobody. I, I can't imagine how you don't empty out that Pentagon and go with a whole new staff uh, or the secretary of defense. Nobody. I, so I don't, I'm not excited about this at all, and I'm not in favor of putting troops in with this bunch in charge. Well, I I will tell you that uh, every time you hear a secretary of defense or secretary of the Navy or or any of the senior leadership talk, the first words out of their mouth should be to fight and win America's wars. And if they're talking about anything else, I don't care if it's climate change or diversity or anything else, all important issues – But the number one thing that should be coming out of their mouth because their mandate by Congress and by the Constitution is to fight and win America's wars. Where did this pronoun pronoun discussion come from then? You know, Mars. Yeah, well, fight and win America's wars is what we're what we have a what we have a, a military for. And the reason that we're having trouble right now recruiting people is because America's sons and daughters, parents, are looking at this and saying, you go do a lot of things, but you're not going to do this. You're not going to be a police officer because they're not defended. They're not protected by the very people that should protect them in government right now. And Judge Weinberg, you have a real quick question. Uh, Dr. Parker, what did you think of uh, Admiral Kirby's statement last week saying what a great job they did? And he was proud of the evacuation in Afghanistan. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. And I also saw uh, the Secretary of Defense's statements about that. Look, I think there are a lot of people that did do a good job in getting people out. Um, but the reality is there was a plan in place, and that plan in place left Bagram there till the end so that you could move stuff to Bagram, get the $80 billion of equipment out that we needed to, get all the people out, not only Americans, but our allies and our, and our close workers over there for 20 years, get them out at the right time. Um, if we were going to leave, there was a right way to do it. The way we did it was not the right way in any way, shape, or form. I completely disagree with that statement that they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, uh, uh, Bill Parker. And uh, we'll, it's, we have ourselves in a mess, and, and we'll talk to you again real soon. I look forward to it. Thank you for thank having you. me on. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Ed Rollins on, uh, on the phone and to find out what the heck is going on in the Republican Party. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Well, President Biden said on the Today Show, I am planning on running. He isn't officially announcing yet. No, no, no. He's just having more Easter egg rolls, he said. Yeah, and Hunter was there, by the way, at the Easter egg rolls. Yeah, that, right, exactly. He's sure of that. He's sure I of the Easter Hunter running. Hunter had a good day. He sold a half a million dollar painting. <laughs> Again? And some Easter eggs. And a Chinese buyer. What a surprise. Well, joining us to talk about all of this and where the GOP is headed on Katz and Cosby, let's bring in the great political strategist, one of our favorite. It's Ed Rollins. Ed, so great to have you here. My pleasure, Rita. John, how are you? Thank you very much. We are good. But nobody's understanding. Uh, You know, we figured you've been around so long, as long as me, you you must have the pulse on what the heck is really going on. What's going on, John? I'm very concerned for the Republican Party. We have a tremendous opportunity with Biden as as our president and most of the Democrats not wanting him to be reelected. But we've got to make sure that we're not we're doing something positive. We have to be smart. Uh, there are some issues out there that obviously to young people, uh, the, the, our future, uh, are, are not good issues. And, and the gun issue is one of those. And I'm not arguing a radical change. I'm arguing a radical communication program. And the abortion issue. Uh, the abortion issue is Roe versus Wade's got to reverse. And what it's got to reverse was to send it back to the state states, not, not, not abolish it per se. It's up to the state legislature. But we're getting mangled in that. In the election last week, we're 60 percent. We lost a 60 percent election for state Supreme Court. Uh, that, all, that means that our our political machine is not working. And I worry about that more than anything else. Equally as important when the chairman of the Judiciary Committee decides to come to New York and take on Bragg as opposed to taking on bail laws and other things that are going to help people. Uh, I worry about that. Uh, we, we, we're sort of going to defend Trump at all at all times. And the bottom line is Trump is no longer our president. He may be our nominee again, but he's no longer our president. And, and start talking you, about you, issues for people. You've been around a long time. And, and I mean, we we lost $85 billion of worth of equipment in Afghanistan. We shipped off a, a bunch of equipment uh, to uh, Ukraine. Uh, and there's some military people that are saying uh, we're a little bit short on bullets and a little bit short on uh, – uh, on, on the defense, I mean, and and Taiwan, China is making uh, how should we Sable say saber rattling big time, big time. That's it. Well, John, we need to be smart, and I, I go back to the point. Biden has given us all kinds of things. Those very issues that you lay out are what we ought to be holding hearings on. We ought to be explaining the American public why we left eighty-five million dollars worth of equipment. Uh, why we left troops uh, on the ground there when we shouldn't have, when we basically have made mistake after mistake after mistake. Those are the things Republicans need to be talking about in the House and the Senate if they want to be leaders and they want to attract young people. Ed, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to ask your thoughts on Chicago. Chicago is a dying city. It's a war zone. And yet they elected as their mayor in a fairly close race, 
but decisive enough, a extreme radical left, anti-police, anti-law enforcement mayor. How does survive, Chicago survive? How does Illinois survive? Well, the same way New York survived. Big cities are going to survive. They're going to be they're going to be trouble cities. And what's going to happen is if there's lawlessness continues in Chicago as it has for a number of years, uh, people are going to move elsewhere. Uh, people can pick up and move, and they will do that. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, uh, the voters of Chicago made a, made a bad choice. Uh, they ended up not with any real choices. But the reality here is they they're the ones that have to live with it, and they have to live with the consequences. You know, and Ed- I think we. Uh, and I want to ask you to start to interrupt you. I want to ask you about um, uh, Biden and his comment that we opened up with, um, because he said, I plan to run, but then he's not announcing yet. What What is he waiting for? Um, I saw a new poll today, and this was amazing. One third of Democrats want him to run. That's Democrats. He's waiting me. for whoever's in charge to tell him he's running. So Susan Rice needs to tell him. So, okay. Exactly. <laughs> The reality is Joe Biden and Mrs. Biden like what they're doing, and they don't, the campaigns are tough. And, 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 and not that he won't be a very strong candidate to be the nominee, because it's hard to beat a president uh, for the nomination. But we need to basically assume he's running, be prepared for it, uh, refigure what we didn't do right last time, and get ready for him. And don't give him don't give him the honeymoon period. Uh, when he goes to Ireland, we ought to be talking about other things that are here domestically. When he goes elsewhere. I want to, you know, we need to be talking about our issues, uh, and that's what the Republicans now have the opportunity to do that, but they're not doing that. They're basically uh, uh, in, a, in a full defense of Trump, and the reality is Trump has to defend himself. Uh, if, he's, if he's innocent, which I assume he is, uh, then he just has to fight his own battles. We have 30, we se- fighting, Ed, we have 30 seconds left. Who do you think at the end of the day uh, is the – well, if right now Donald Trump is still a leader, who is in number two spot? Well, you know, my, my sense is if it's, if it's, it would be helpful if it's a woman. Uh, uh, you know, we have, we have many very viable women in the Senate, in the House, uh, and some governors, uh, and I think we have to attract young women. You look at the statistics, 53% of the population are women, 57% of the vote for Biden with women votes. We have to get some of those women back. So we have to get young people back. We have to get minorities back. Politics is about adding, not subtracting, and we're not adding. Well, you managed to get the most votes ever gotten for uh, uh, President Reagan. uh, No, it doesn't, John. He keeps telling that story. But the other side is the Democrats got more votes cast against incumbent president at any time in the history of the country. They beat us. Yes. The reality is they beat us. And we have to learn why they beat us and go out and not run the same old battles again, run a new battle. And, And the Wisconsin race last week is an example of why we're not ready for the big time yet. Yes, we haven't learned how to do it yet. You're absolutely right. Uh, Ed Rollins, we're going to talk to you again real soon, uh, maybe Anytime. next week, and, and think Anytime. about uh, we'll, we'll talk, and there's got to be solutions. Absolutely, Ed, thank we, we you. We have to have solutions. We have to talk about their, their problems, not our problems. Yeah, the country's great point. Problems. There's a lot of problems to talk about, too, Ed Rollins. Thank you, Ed. We love having you on. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And uh, speaking of which, the economy is obviously a big mess, uh, but Bitcoin is skyrocketing. Bitcoin is skyrocketing. John, sky, I couldn't Went believe from it. 16,000 to 29,000. And uh, one of the experts on Bitcoin is with us is today's Brock Pierce, who there was rumors around that he wants to run for president on the independent line. Yeah, uh, he ran at one he point, but might run again. Brock ran. Brock, are, are you uh, ready to announce today on Cats and Cosby you're going to run again? 
Uh, no, I'm not ready to uh, uh, to announce anything, um, though we uh, I was just at the Independent National Convention in Austin, Texas uh, last week. You got the DNC, the RNC. It felt like a big tent that encompasses all independent thinkers, as I like to say, all the colors of the rainbow, all ideologies, similar to what Abraham Lincoln did uh, when he built that coalition of rivals to launch the Republican Party into the presidency. How do we do that? I know in your last segment you were just talking about women. Uh, uh, obviously, you've got Nikki Haley, uh, who's there on the, uh, the Republican ticket. You know, Tulsi Gabbard was at the INC last week, uh, who uh, uh, left the Democratic Party to become an independent. There are some wonderful women in America that are stepping up to serve. And, and in, in my case, uh, you know, I'm here to serve my country. I'm here to serve, you know, the people in whatever capacity. And, you know, we're all talking and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what is the right path forward for our collective future, our country and the generations that follow. And, uh, I'm happy to serve. I was on Fox earlier today and said whether it says janitor, I think we can find a better job for me, or president or anything in between. I'm, I'm here to figure out how through consensus, you know, the right, what is the right answer? Uh, for why, why is Bitcoin skyrocketing, Brock? What do you uh, accredit it to? I mean, is it because the economy's in such a crazy place? Well, I mean, I think that's definitely part of it. Uh, uh, you know, it's it, we're finally seeing for the first time the uh, the decoupling of call it the correlation of the the markets with with crypto or Bitcoin. It's usually been correlated and we're starting to see the breaking of that correlation where it's becoming an uncorrelated asset class and where you're seeing it more as a hedge, kind of as a as a digital gold. And it's been a wild week. If you haven't seen uh, the BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa and a number of other nations talking about, you know, launching their own sort of currency, their own sort of petrol dollar, uh, own asset backed instrument. This is definitely a crazy time. I was one of the founders of Tether, where we created the, uh, the U.S. digital dollar that's doing in 2022. $18.2 trillion of settlement. That's bigger than both MasterCard and Visa. And, uh, you know, it's definitely an important time. I spent a lot of time in D.C. trying to educate our uh, legislators uh, to make sure that we make the best decisions possible. Uh, uh, you know, I care deeply about what happens here. And uh, we are definitely living through interesting and challenging times. But remember, every challenge is an opportunity if we make the right decisions to do good. And everybody, we're talking to Brock Pierce, who ran for president on the independent line, also a big entrepreneur and big into cryptocurrency. Tony Garbanetti, you got a question. Well, Brock and I have gone back and forth on crypto forever. How are you, Brock? But I'm more interested. I'm grateful. I'm glad to hear. I'm more interested. You just said about the independent um, confab you were just at. So let's hypothetically say that, you know, our two great parties give us to, uh, fine representation to 80-year-old white guys like, uh, you know, what is is there a route for an independent to come up and run here? I, I think there, there definitely is. Uh, no labels. This is not, you know, a secret that I'm revealing. Uh, no labels has clearly been getting ballot access in preparation for something to, to happen. So I they'll, they'll have a platform for an independent. It, it appears that way. And yeah, so who are the I, candidates, I think, Brock? They've named a couple people, too. Well, I mean, it, it, I, you know, I mean, I know Andrew Yang and I know a bunch of, you know, the people and, you know, we'll see what happens. And obviously, I, if you weren't paying attention five days ago, Robert Kennedy or RFK Jr. announced his run on the Democratic ticket. It's, you know, clearly interesting that he's challenged President Biden in the Democratic primary. Well, Brock, thank um, you very, very Brock, much. We'll wow. talk again real soon. Thank you for coming on. Thank and you. 
Thank you. And uh, we have Lou Dobbs to tell us what the heck is going on in the, in the financial markets. And after that, Melissa DeRosa. We're going to come back with Melissa DeRosa. A lot of stuff going on in Albany. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back on Cats and Cosby. Some interesting studies about the effect of marijuana on the brain. And by the way, before we bring in Mark Siegel, everybody, we have an action-packed show. We've got the great Bill O'Reilly, John, is coming up later on. about 5.45. To talk about Biden's trip to Ireland. And Melissa uh, DeRosa, she's one tough lady. She is, she's a, a spitfire. A lot of stuff going on in Albany. Yeah, a but judge. First. But first, let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel talking about the effect of marijuana. Dr. Siegel, we love having you here. This is interesting about just how devastating marijuana is, especially on young people. I am not a warm-up band or a warm-up act for Bill <laughs> O'Reilly. I have to tell you that. Yeah, well, we, have way, a, we have a Jew, an Italian, and an Irish guy. <laughs> sounds like the U.N. Sounds like a joke, John. They're all, all three are in a bar, and what happens? <laughs> <laughs> so... So, um, listen, the marijuana problem is out of control, and I'll tell you the secret of why in a minute after I tell you that 37 states have a medical marijuana issue, you know, already on the books, and 21 states uh, recreationally legalized, and it's it's burgeoning. More and more and more states are considering it this year. Here's the, here's the punchline. Marijuana is not marijuana, because the marijuana that you and I know, that all of us know, that Rita and I know, John doesn't know, but we know, was... How uh, do we know it? Wait a minute. I, is, are you, you revealing read something here? Read I read it. about it in a book. Read okay. About it. We read about it. When we read about it in a book as, as, as teens, it had a 2.5% THC content, which is the active ingredient. That's now up to 25 to 50%. Wow. It's not the same thing. That your mother told you about. It's not, the, my mother warned me about something totally different that I'm warning my kids about. So, Mark, wow. you're saying it can impair your ability to operate an automobile then, if it has that kind of – is that true? That's so true, well, not, Robert, to, mention, not to mention when you combine it with alcohol. And by the way – And is there the a first- test, like, like a breathalyzer, that an, a, a cop can use to decide whether you're impaired or not? No, well, breathalyzer they can use to decide whether you have alcohol. marijuana. No, you can't do it you have marijuana. alcohol, but you can't do we it have marijuana. to take we could take blood levels of of but, marijuana. But, but is there an urine, instant test? No. Then why no. do we let people do it? Because we're idiots. Frankly. Well, because we're idiots, and emergency rooms are filling with these people. And you know, uh, the headline that we're supposed to be talking about is marijuana induced psychosis. Here's the here's the headline here that it's that it's worse and it's precipitated by underlying anxiety problems. So our teens who are already suffering from depression, anxiety, have mental health issues, you add marijuana to that and they can end up psychotic much more easily. So never mind the learning impairment that you see routinely on tests. On top of that, there's there's ERs filling with 
in states where it's recreationally legal, where there's more and more of it around. That's not to mention the marijuana-induced vomiting syndrome, which is also one of the most common causes of vomiting uh, re- reason going to the ER. And let's not not let's let's not overlook that pregnant women are smoking pot like never before in states like California, Colorado, states like this, because it's legal, and they think it's treating morning sickness when it's actually putting the fetus at risk. Dr. Siegel, I have to ask the obvious question. Why are more doctors like you not out there saying, what are we doing? Because we're seeing all these stories about some licenses now going to more and more shops, making marijuana more accessible in many states across the country. Why are more doctors not testifying saying, whoa, whoa, whoa? I don't know, and the, maybe because they don't have this microphone, but I, I, uh, I think they should be. I uh, think it's a huge problem, and studies are revealing it. Uh, doc- we're seeing the studies come out of California, but the, we're seeing the problem come out of California, uh, uh, doc- too. And doc- Dr. Rudy Washington's got a question for you. If you had to take a guess, what percentage of our homeless population is basically being impacted by this? A huge amount, and, and drugs, not just marijuana. That w- One of the reasons we started this today is because John Casamitidi says he can smell it on the streets, and I smell two things on our streets in New York, garbage and marijuana. I, I mean, it's... it's. I smell the, something else, but I don't want to talk about it, but go ahead, doctor. <laughs> no, that's the problem, the, 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 that Rudy's right, that it's that it's affecting our homeless population, that it's becoming more and more accessible and cheap, that it's that it's got a tremendous amount of, of THC. And you know what has even more THC are the edibles. So the edibles, people think, oh, well, let's have a you know a marijuana brownie, a hash brownie, but they have THC up to 50%. Do they it's, come with Surgeon General warnings, like a pack of cigarettes or a bottle of alcohol? Or Well, I don't think anybody's listening. At the point where you're getting, buying marijuana, I don't think, I don't, you know, the, the Surgeon General warnings aren't what caused people to decrease the amount of smoking. It was the it was the messaging that went along yes. with it. And, and Doc, uh, you know, um, people don't realize it's one of the major things impacting our ability to recruit for the military. Uh, this is disabling a lot of young people. Uh, you know, this is the scourge that's behind California homelessness problem. It's beginning to be our problem. Uh, and I just don't understand why these big city mayors and everybody are going along with this. Oh, you know, money, money, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Uh, Isn't it money? Well, of course. Dr. Siegel, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back. The, the problem, you. the problem Thanks, is the brain is informed for you 26 years of age and these kids are smoking it. So they're causing themselves irreparable brain damage. Then the state legislatures think this is a money grab for revenues. And the fact of the matter is as an economic model, it doesn't work because the underground economy is the one that grabs the money. Then you have the other problem, which is Mexico. And the problem with Mexico is they're lacing the marijuana with fentanyl. So this is a prescription for disaster for this country, doctor. All, all true. And I would add one fact, which you can agree with, which is the argument is, well, they're going to use it. People are going to use it anyway. Here's the problem. When you legalize it, more people use it illegally. It's not like the illegal problem goes away. The illicit sale accompanies the legal sale. Yeah, what a mess. What, well, Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. we love Siegel, you. Thank we'll you for being here. We'll see you again here. real soon. And uh, 
I owe you dinner. Announcing the great Bill O'Reilly coming up next. No, we said the the great Dr. Mark Siegel. That's a, <laughs> right. Bill who? Right, Dr. Mark Siegel. Oh, come on, don't say that. <laughs> no, we uh, love you both. We, you we, both are. We, we did the Jew. Now we have the Italian. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Siegel. We love you. Thank you so much. And now let's actually go to Albany for the latest. Let's get the wrap up here on that. And of course. Kathy Hochul, the governor, nominates a judge. <laughs> judge Weinberg shaking his head. Uh, let's bring in Melissa DeRosa, of course, who was secretary to then Governor Cuomo, the senior staffer there. Melissa, uh, let's get your reaction. First off, uh, Governor Hochul basically says that she has selected Judge Rowan Wilson, uh, who is definitely liberal. Uh, what are your thoughts? So Rowan Wilson, who I will say I called this one right, I said two weeks ago on your show that I thought he was going to end up being the pick. I think that this is hopeful, you know, sort of striking a conciliatory tone with the legislature. She saw what happened last time when she didn't give them exactly what she wanted. They stared her down and, and they beat her and they rolled her. So she gave them exactly what they wanted this time around. Now, the more troubling thing than just the Rowan Wilson pick. It's not about Rowan Wilson. And Rowan Wilson, you know, doesn't have a big body of work. He was in private practice before he went on the court in 2017. So we don't know much about his opinions generally. But what what does it mean for New York, Melissa? What does it mean for the safety of New Yorkers? Well, this is so right now, nothing changes on the court, right? Because he's already on the court. He just shifts his position from associate judge to chief judge. And it's a fait accompli. He's absolutely going to get confirmed. Now, what I find more troubling, and I would love to hear what Judge Weinberg thinks about this, is she also announced her intent to put Caitlin Halligan on the court, which is somebody else that she's putting, pushing up from the same list that was given to her a few weeks back by the Judicial Nominating Commission. Now, here's why this is very troubling to me. The process that they're undergoing is unconstitutional. So the Judicial Screening Commission handed her a list. You're supposed to pick one person. She wanted to pick two people on that list that were both okay with her and okay with the legislature. So that's against the rules. What did she do? She teamed up with the legislature to pass a law that is unconstitutional, and she's going to sign that law and do what she wants to do, even though, again, it's unconstitutional. And at the same time, this sort of underscores the importance of the court is that you put people on the bench who are going to interpret the Constitution based on the law and based on the written words on the, in the Constitution and not just sort of bend to the whim of the politicians that are there. Uh, so Judge Weinberg's he, got a question for you. He's trying to no, no, ready. No, no, I just want to say amen, Melissa. That's exactly correct. They passed the unconstitutional law. They've circumvented the constitutional process. There's going to be litigation on that. If you had an honest bench, they would throw this out the same way they threw out the redistricting by a a runaway legislative process dictated by the radical left Democrats. And they should do that. The question becomes, who's sitting there by designation from the appellate division when this comes up? And who decides who the uh, person is who's going to sit by designation? The chief judge of the state. So if the chief judge of the state picks out somebody from the appellate division, then you have a result that's obvious to everyone. Right. But that's not a good thing for New Yorkers, Judge. No, it's a very bad thing for New Yorkers. And Melissa and I on the show have been talking about this. You need people who are going to give you an honest read on the law and not rubber stamp radical policies as being constitutional when they're not. And and Tony Carbonetti, it's shocking. I mean, it's like. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, at least now she's understanding the game. She's beholden to the Senate and the Assembly. 
she's understanding where she stands. And whatever they want, as long as she gives it to them, then things will go along merrily. Um, Melissa, I, I want to backtrack a second. We were just discussing marijuana and, and the legalization of it. I know there's a, a certain number in the state budget that we'd hope to collect in taxes. There's 3,000 illegal stores here in New York City that aren't paying taxes. Do we know how short that fa- the, the number is and what's going to happen at the end of the year when we come nowhere near it? You know, look, it's Tony, it's the larger point, right? It's exactly what you're saying. It's we passed a bill. There was this fierce competition in order to legally be able to sell marijuana in the state of New York, a really rigorous process people had to go through. And for what? There's an illegal pot shop on every other corner in New York. Exactly. And so and there's there's absolutely no enforcement. There's no enforcement by local law enforcement. There's no enforcement by the SLA. There's no enforcement by anyone. And so it's being allowed to proliferate. And God knows what they're putting in the pot that's being sold, mostly fentanyl, from what I read. And it's it's spiraled out of control. But that's sort of where we are now, right? It's like emblematic of the larger picture. You put someone on the court, you want two people from the list, it's unconstitutional, we'll just pass the law and we'll make sure the people that are going to determine the law are our people so that they can circumvent the Constitution. We're going to have this process for pot that's supposed to be highly regulated, and now it's completely out of control. It's sort of like everywhere you look, and it's not just in New York. I think it's nationally. You're seeing it in in a lot of different ways. And I think that we're having a crisis of confidence right now in the judiciary and the government, New York and nationally. And and I don't know where it ends. It's like we're in this like malicious circle jerk that I don't know how we're going to get out of. Yeah. Wow. What a mess. That's a new description, too, Melissa. I like it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Melissa, you're terrific. Great to have you here on the show. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, guys. Bye. And now I understand we have uh, the the Bill O'Reilly standing by. Absolutely. A mega best-selling author. Almost um, 20 million books. Unbelievable. And he's got a new one coming out calling Killing the Witches. I can't wait to read that. Uh, the great Bill O'Reilly, who hosts Common Sense on WABC every night, 9 to 10. And also you hear him on Sid and Friends and Curtis. And I have the pleasure of being right after him, the lucky one. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, oh, boy, I know you want to talk about Biden uh, going to Ireland and Biden. Did you see him today saying, I'm planning on running? Yeah, we told that to the Easter Bunny, right? Um, <laughs> Hunter was there, by the way, Bill, too. He, I thought Hunter was the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Certainly got a lot of eggs, Hunter. Um, anyway, uh, Biden, you know, doesn't really know from day to day what he's doing. So, yeah, why I don't think he'll run because he's, uh, from my sources, are telling me that he's going downhill fairly quickly. As, you know, any of us who've had older parents and had to go through that, you you might rebound on Thursday, but it's a process of decline And when you get older. So he certainly um, is having trouble governing. Uh, He's going to Ireland because that's the only country in the world that still likes us, I think. Maybe Portugal, but I'm not sure. Um, and you know, it's basically a three way, three day vacation over there, not accomplishing anything for the American people at all. And today's the 25th anniversary when Bill Clinton and, uh, uh, Congressman King made peace in Ireland. Yeah. I heard your interview with, uh, Peter King and, um, it was an amazing thing. If you understand Irish history and I go there a lot, I'm going there in June, uh, again, but if you understand Irish history, I mean, there's really a lot of grievance, um, Catholics and Protestants 
because Catholics have been treated so poorly, first by the Crown and then by the Northern Irish. And it's like in America and the African-American precincts, there's a lot of grievance and uh, doesn't go away easily. They got that done primarily because of economics. Uh, the North is much better than it was. I did cover the troubles over there. I was over there in Belfast and Londonderry. Uh, it was pretty bad, I have to tell you. It, it was pretty brutal. And, um, yeah, it's not a bad thing that Biden goes to Ireland to celebrate this. But, again, you know, back here, the problems mount. I read today, and you know this better than anyone, John, that food prices are continuing to go up. Is That's true, right? That's true because uh, oil was down to $65 a barrel, and now it's $80 a barrel. So what food executive is going to lower prices? Sure, because the transportation mechanism to get the food to the grocery stores and the restaurants is dependent upon how much fuel they use and what it costs. Absolutely. So the delivery and- charges are going to be higher, and then the retail outlets have to charge more. But you see, these are problems that are not being dealt with by the Biden administration. The border is another one. What are you doing down there? Nothing. Okay. So you, you got inflation, high prices, you got the border, you got crime in the streets, you got drug addiction, on and on and on and on. And Biden today had one thing on his schedule was a Easter egg roll. And Easter's over. I don't even know if he knows that, but you know, it's like, what are you doing? And then last week, they blamed the Afghan debacle on Trump. So it's like South, what is that, South Park, blame it on Canada. So yes. blame it. Everything <laughs> is Trump's fault. All right. And I'm, I'm going, this is just gibberish. How can anybody believe this stuff? Um, the Afghan debacle was on Biden. He had seven months to put that thing together. And he simply did. And then and now he's blaming Trump. So I don't know. I think we're in a downward cycle. I think we have very poor leadership, both in New York State and in the federal government. Um, but I did write a column on Easter Sunday available on BillOReilly.com. Don't give up. This is a historical cycle. We can get out of it with good leadership. You know, a lot of people are just despairing. Don't do that. No, um, that's an important message. A very resilient, yeah, very resilient country we have. But now it's a down cycle, no doubt about it. You know, Bill, I want to ask you too your thoughts about um, what's going on with China. Did you see Macron basically said Europe, you can ignore U.S. when it comes to China? China's really been like ratcheting up the rhetoric of late. It's really scary, and we were just saying how scary. And uh, at a time where you're talking about the border, you're talking about Afghanistan. All this stuff. Um, do you have any confidence that President Biden could handle what could be very complex? And the fact that France basically threw us, you know, uh, dumped on us. Yeah, Macron made a big mistake. Um, I don't know whether he's trying to play to his uh, country, which is in up turmoil now because the socialists are going wild because of the uh, retirement age is being raised by two years. So they're burning everything down. So maybe this has something to do with it. But I don't think the United States can count on Europe. I mean, outside of some nations like Poland, um, you know, if we have to go up against the Chinese, it's going to be me, it's going to be us versus them, and Russia will be helping them. I mean, if you think Macron and the Germans are going to help us, I, yeah, I wouldn't be counting on that. 
Yeah, no, and he was. He, we uh, have one big whole, mess, guys. It, it is. That's it, why it's it, so it is concerning. one big mess. Uh, the the China alliance of Russia, et cetera, et cetera, are uh, moving in on us. Yeah, and well, do you think they're taking advantage happened. of it too, Bill? Clearly, weak leadership. This is that's exactly right, Rita. I was just going to say that this is what happens when you have weak leadership. So if you have eight years of Bill De Blasio. All right, who's basically took the criminal justice system in New York City apart and said, we're, not, we're just not going to prosecute anybody. And then the sanitation department didn't do its job because he wouldn't hold the unions accountable for their performances. This is de Blasio. Well, you have eight years of that. I mean, you are going to, it takes time to recover. And, you know, it, it's, to me, because I'm on it every day, and you guys are too, and this is what we do for our living, the apathy on the part of some Americans is just stunning. You don't, don't you care? It's stunning. About it's stunning. what is happening here? You see it before your own eyes. You go into the grocery store, and you're paying twice as much as you paid last year for eggs. Does that not matter? The bar to you is at getting all? lowered every day, and and I'm watching it happen. We're accepting more and more that we should not accept. All right, thank you so much, Bill O'Reilly. Nine o'clock tonight, Bill. Uh, yes, sir. Common Sense of Bill O'Reilly on WABCRadio.com, BillOReilly.com, 77 WABC on your uh, uh, iPhone. And uh, thank you, Bill O'Reilly, and I'll be listening to the... What are you going to talk about at nine o'clock? Well, we're going to open it with this Afghanistan thing and how absurd this is and how this has led to uh, problems with China and Putin. Thank you so much. Can't wait to tune and in. Guys, uh, for, uh, reporting in from the Daily Planet building, what do we all stand for? <laughs> Truth, Truth, justice, justice and the American way. way. God bless America.